the state of the media. Uh, we do talk a little bit at the very front about some other things, but for the third week in a row, we regret that we are forced by news events to talk about ourselves. Torstar and Post Media merging, Facebook and Google pulling out. It's the end of the news as we know it, and we don't feel fine. Well, we're back. Uh, oh, we good, missed last yes. week um, because Russia was exploding, and I guess we'll see what this weekend brings. I'm now, uh, this is the last work thing I need to do before I go on vacation for a week. So first of all, line readers, viewers, listeners, uh, we will be on holiday next week. We'll be back the week after that. But the other point I bring is every time I go on vacation, something terrible happens. So that's, that is just a coincidence. It's just, it's, it's not that any, it's not because you're going on vacation. It's because something terrible is happening every week. Um, no, I, I think because I have FOMO, like I have radio broadcaster FOMO that as soon as I'm off for a day, breaking news I really want to talk about is going to happen and it keeps happening over and over. So we'll see if we can get through the next 10 days without anything disastrous happening. We really only have one thing to talk about today, but I want to mention something else first, just to because okay. we're watching it. You saw about the uh, the stabbing attack at the University of Waterloo. I did not see that. So... Uh, we don't have all the details yet when we're recording this, but um, someone, apparently a graduate of the university and also um, currently an employee of some kind on the university, like a, a vendor or something, uh, not like faculty at the university, but like had a job on the campus, uh, went into a gender studies classroom, asked the professor what it was when the professor said it was gender studies. Um, according to witnesses, the person uh, began stabbing the professor and other students then uh, came to the professor's defense and were also stabbed. Um, oh, the, good. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. The injuries not considered to be life threatening, which I suppose is the good news. We're kind of waiting to learn more, at least at the time we're recording this. Um, but uh, the police have said that there is uh a suspected hate crime angle here that this was an ideologically targeted attack. Oh, I, I don't really have any specific wisdom to offer on this. And we got a lot of other stuff to talk about today. What I'm just going to kind of say is something that you and I have said repeatedly. When you take your baseline crazy rate from five to 15%, you're going to end up with triple the crazy incidents, yep. not unprecedented stuff, but more of the precedented stuff. Yeah. So I mean, there's that's also my fast read on that. The, the, you and I both try to avoid the culture war shit because we both hate it bluntly. We both hate culture war stuff. There's more interesting stuff going on. There's more important stuff going on. Culture wars is it eats up much more sound and noise than 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 is deserved. And also bluntly, it's also overcovered, right? Like we're not gonna we're not going to make our name for ourselves as journalists writing the fifteenth thing about trans issues. I mean, it's it's done. Fifteen thousandth. 15,000 thing about trans issues you know when you see attacks like that 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 may become unavoidable but we'll see how that particular go that particular yep. item goes yeah no I mean it's kind of like what you and I have been warning for a while it's not like we're dealing with things that are new it's that we're dealing with a higher baseline level and what is heated social media rhetoric to some is a, a call to violence to others and i think yeah. the people who are now susceptible to not being able to understand the difference there's more of them that will well, inevitably it, result in more incidents like this which is a I problem. Mean, this this goes into basically the this the, the key one of the key themes of the book that i'm writing right 
Um, and that was what what happens in a in a, in a moral in a moral panic. What is the actual human dynamic that exists within a moral panic? And that is uh, one of the major problems is that everybody gets polarized and everybody becomes utterly convinced that they're that they're right and they're on the side of angels and the other guys are on the side of demons. And neither side is capable of understanding that it's feeding into a dynamic yeah. that is that is making the matters worse for everyone. Yep. Yeah, they, um, they aren't aware of the fact that they're part of the feedback loop. You're you're part of a feedback loop now, right? Like yeah. that's the issue. So you know you have you know, and, and people will accuse me of both sides, and that's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm not trying to draw moral equivalencies at all. I'm observing a dynamic that exists between a polarized group of people in a moral in a, in a moral panic situation or in a it's physics situation. action reaction action exactly. reaction action reaction yeah and you see it like the gender stuff is really hot right now mm -hmm. races of it, it happened the me too stuff you saw stuff like this happen like the actual subjects on which these sorts of extreme polarization events happen um oh they change yeah they, they get change refreshed. and they, they and they actually get refreshed at, at a at an increasingly rapid rate yep. as a result of our media environment but the dynamics are identical. They're identical every single time. You and I had talked about this in a very depassing way uh, during the pandemic, where we had talked about how many people out there had become highly involved yeah. in pandemic-specific advocacy. And you and I had talked about how for a lot of these people, they would get their jabs, the threat posed by COVID-19 would recede, and they would just stop. Like, they would re revert back to their lives. But some of them... Yeah. would just basically swap out some new issue it's, it's and it's, probably it's with three or four issues down that line now yeah exactly and uh, the other thing too is one thing this is um uh, john Kay, who's written quite a lot about conspiracy theorists has noted and that is it's never just one conspiracy theory once once you get sucked into the conspiracy theory rabbit hole your critical faculties start to degrade yeah and you absolutely inevitably will get sucked into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing what you see with moral panics is the same thing that has happened. Yeah. So if you are in a so in a in an unstable social situation where you don't lack sort of community supports and the ability to touch grass, so to speak, you're going to get sucked into the first thing, and then you're going to get sucked into the next thing, and then you're going to get sucked into the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. You're going to get sucked into an endless an endless succession of battles. Yeah, and I remember. See, I I sat next to John Kay when he was writing his book, and I remember him telling me one day. There is no one out there who thinks that the World Trade Center was brought down by like thermite bombs or something, who also believes that Oswald acted alone and shot JFK from the book depository. Like yeah. once you step through that world, everything is a conspiracy and everybody's in on it and all these things fit together. Um, so anyway, this is this is this is if we're going to discuss anything about what's happening at Waterloo, yeah. it would be uh, it would be of that kind of bird's eye view because i think that if there's something we have to perspective to bring to the table it would be that it's not going to be you know the latest the and latest here, launch in 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 a gender studies yeah. conversation like matt I, gurney and jen gerson respond to dylan mulvaney's latest video yeah, yeah. I, I i no there's already people doing that we don't you don't need another person in that particular sphere my last comment on this before we move on to what we really want to talk about you remember right after january 6th Mm -hmm. uh, we wrote here about that new data that had only recently come out showing the increasing number of Americans who were uh, morally comfortable with violence against political opponents. Mm -hmm. I wonder what Canadian figures today would look like. I wonder what Canadian figures today would look like. And I mean, there's, there is another, I said, I don't really want to get into this, but there is another conversation about 
uh, growing um declining tolerance against lgbtq issues and growing hate crimes against lgbtq issues that is obviously a bad thing we're not on board with that obviously 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 however if you want to have a conversation about why that's happening there have been shifts in the culture and the expectations around conversations yep. around gender and sex and all of these sorts of things that are that have shifted the 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 consensus have shifted the alliance on on a lot of lgbtq issues and has opened up this this really vitriolic really really nasty and very hateful um diatribe and, and conversation and if you want to I, I don't think you can have that conversation without talking about what changed essentially so yeah well can, but that's I, again can i flag that it was probably about 10 years ago i said privately to np colleagues that it was going to be the trans issue that was going to start cracking some of those alliances yeah yeah because it, i mean it's uh, really uh, personally i find it very tragic because i mean you and i both came up uh in a generation for us gay gay marriage was an obvious of course of course gay people should be able to marry like what what is what is wrong with you yeah. you know we we came up around that that was just that was just our generation just accepted that and the alliance that we had with with or, or the degree to which the speed at which we all came to a consensus on that stuff and a very genuinely That's... felt persuade like the, nobody bullied us into that position that was a genuinely felt and held consensus on those issues and to me it's been absolutely tragic to see that cons not the consensus on gay marriage but that alliance around gay rights just erode and how quickly that's eroded um, and it's been around trans issues and, and, and gender dysphoric kids. There's something really it's awful to watch. It it sucks. And yeah. I would I would just add that I think it's fascinating. If I could make my progressive friends understand anything, it would be that moral certainty in the rightness of your own cause does not exempt you from blowback. Blowback also, exists. And, and it, even and if you're winning in the cause of justice, there is going to be a reaction to that. That doesn't mean you're wrong. That doesn't mean you have to stop, but you have to be aware that there's going to be blowback. Well, and I and think I, a lot I, of Canadians in particular just think that there is no such thing as blowback in this country. Well, and the other thing too is I, I really wish that I could have this conversation in a, in a sane and sensible way about you, you don't just get to declare yourself right <laughs> and everybody else who disagrees with you is the evil, bigoted, bigoted, hateful Nazi and move on. There is a process of persuasion. You know, there's a process of, of, of debate and consensus building. And if you don't root your new views or values in a, in a process of back and forth and debate and consensus, then that consensus is fragile and will shatter. Mm -hmm. And that is what we are witnessing happening before our eyes on certainly transgender issues and certainly where, the, where, where children are concerned but also around, you know, sadly, it's going to go for settled, settled, yeah. settled issues of gay yeah. rights. And that to me is, is what's horrific about all of this. And this is why I, I hate the culture wars because I don't want to take sides on any of this because I think that, that, that the dynamics are now feeding into one another in ways that are absolutely pernicious for everyone involved. Blowback um, is not, is not precise. No, it's yeah, not. It's not. You don't have targeted blowback once it starts. Once it starts, and 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 then we wound we wind up at these, you know, awful tragedies of the most extreme and most disturbed cases, which I'm presuming at this point the the Waterloo stuff is, and you know, in the states you had the the transgender person shooting up the the the, the Catholics, the, the Christian oh, school, and just yeah, you know, these awful awful fucking cases. There's no need. There's no reason that this should have ever gotten to this ever, ever. You know, I I, know, I'm just human I'm just, beings are broken war monkeys. Human 
big beings are broken war monkeys. Let's just let's just put a pin on it there and just not get too depressed because we actually have other things to talk about today. War monkeys. Um okay, well, I mean we're going to talk about the state of Canadian media, but it's kind of funny even before we talk about the state of Canadian media, one thing that kind of got me this week uh, my, I don't remember if it was my parents or my grandparents, but when I was a kid, every month I got a National Geographic. It was something like as a kid, I got signed up for like National Geographic Kids. And then as I got older, the like I got the, the adult versions of this. And I have very specific memories in my house of having just like shelf after shelf of organized volume after volume National Geographics and how useful they were. Even when the internet was still starting, you know, there was still that period where the internet was a thing, but we still relied a lot on encyclopedias and actual hard copy. National Geographic has let go its last remaining staff uh, this week. I think they're going to continue to use some freelancers to like the brand, I think, will continue to exist. But this media apocalypse we've been talking about in recent weeks it's not letting up. And then this week, uh, we got the news. <laughs> it's funny. This already seems like it's like a million years ago that Post Media and Torstar are looking to merge. And we thought that was going to be the big news in the media. And then by by Thursday, no, it wasn't. Not anymore. So we're at the um, slowly, slowly, and then all at once. All at once. Now we're at the all at once thing. So there's there's an interesting thing to talk about when it comes to the Post Media Torstar merger. One is that this is just a replication of the play with that Torstar had with the Sun Papers. Uh, Post Media. So it's Sun yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it looks like in this proposal, the T- Toronto Star itself would be separated from this agreement and made sacrosanct. I don't but really understand they, how they would do that because it's no, nor vague, do I. But yes, yeah, nor do I. I. I don't think that's a practical answer here. But what it sounds like the answer is is that Post Media, which you know is running short on cash, I think that's obvious. So is Torstar because Torstar wouldn't be considering this if they weren't. Um, they are the plan is they are going to merge the asset, dilute the debt. By diluting the debt, that means um, hypothetically they should be able to get more debt and and at a, at, a, at a better at a better rate, which might be able to further their cash flow problems. And then they're going to cannibalize the Torstar Metroland papers in exactly the same way that they did the Sun papers, which means. It, you know, where there are more, more than one titles in competing markets, they will emerge. Shut them down. Yeah. Or shut one down. Or you shut one them. down, merge the products, and then and then um, merge and then uh, lay off anybody who's doing duplicate work. Yeah. So say you have two um, uh, reporters based in Hamilton. One of them now is now you have one. Yep. So this is this this doesn't actually help the revenue side well it, it does a little bit because they'll be able to siphon off basically the metroland papers revenue whatever the, that is mm-hmm. but it doesn't help them increase their scale in any way because of course ultimately they're going to reduce the number of titles um and reduce the overall you know imprint what it what does potentially allow post media to do is to string themselves along for another couple of months maybe a year or two by siphoning off the metroland papers revenue diluting their own debt by increasing their their debt to equity ratio um and then and then basically laying off laying off more people a ton um, of people yeah yep. exactly so, laying off yeah. Ton of people. so S- slight improvements in revenue possibly yeah but lo- lower costs across the board so your remaining dollars go a little bit further lower costs and also more debt potentially right mm-hmm. 
So uh, this isn't a, this isn't a, this doesn't save anybody. This essentially is just a, a, an absolute carbon copy. I think of what they did with the sun papers. We know that with, with the sun papers, it bought them a couple of years. Oh, a few years. Like, it lasted a while. But not ten. Like, it bought them. When, when 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 were the sun? When did the sun me, papers merge? Let me look that up. I actually remember that. Um, Post media. The problem. I mean, the the problem here is that. Um, the the Metroland papers are not nearly as big as no, Sun exactly. Media was. That's right. So, so the, it doesn't it doesn't the the Hail Mary pass the reference. Two thousand fifteen. Two thousand fifteen years ago. So it so it probably bought them about five years worth of leeway. Then we got into COVID. COVID yeah, and managed the, yeah. the co they get they, they get a lot of COVID bailouts and now essentially I think they're running out of the COVID money. So it bought them about let's say four to five years. The Metroland papers, I don't think are going to buy them four to five years. No, I I think the Metroland papers buy them like eighteen years. Yeah, a year or two. Maybe <laughs> they buy them a year or at two. the outside. And and the cost of of actually merging these properties and doing what they did here is also significant. You know, there are legal fees, there's filing fees, there's 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 also just practical logistical challenges with this. So they're 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 moving into more and more desperate plays. And they're getting less and less out of each of these successive desperate plays. So that's the analysis that I have to bring to the table on this one. Also, you'll note I'm making a really concerted effort to slow my speaking speed down because Ron got really angry at me <laughs> during the last our last uh, podcast. He sent, sent, me, sent me an angry note at the bottom of our, our YouTube note. He's like, Jen, stop talking so fast. You don't so talk I'm, that I'm sorry. fast. I'm sorry. I'm trying to slow down. Anyway, I'm trying to be more precise. Anyway. Point being, so that's the first part of the analysis. In the midst of all this, of course, C18 passes. Last week, Google or sorry, Facebook announces, you know what, we're not we're not handing you guys a blank check. Fuck yeah. y'all, we're out. And they said we're not going to um, uh, support news on our platform. It's better for us to just get rid of news on our platform and no longer participate in this than to hand over untold millions of dollars to Canadian media entities. Um, to you know, enjoy the privilege of passing along their their news links. Um, I think that that was a bit of a, a bit of a wake up call for some of these guys. We're like, oh wait a minute, what do you mean you're not bluffing? Because there was a big sense of this public. But there's also a sense that also, frankly, you know, most of these publishers could could live without Facebook. You know, it's it's going to be a blow, but we can live without Facebook. The one that they can't live without is Google. Facebook's an inconvenience, Google's an existential threat. So this week, it was quite shocking. And also, Google had been much more circumspect about how they were going to react to C18. They hadn't said they much. Were, Facebook's been louder. Facebook has been very assertive and very yeah. straightforward about saying, if you move forward with this bill, we're out. So no one should have been shocked by that. Google's been a little bit more cautious. Yes, baby, I'm on the phone right now. I'll be there in a minute. Um... So it was actually genuinely pretty surprising to me when Google puts out a release today, or not today, sorry, this week, that says, you move forward with this as it stands without any kind of changes to the regulatory scheme, we're out. Not only are we going to get rid of Google News and all of these Google Showcase and stuff like that, but now your news results are no longer going to show up on our search feed. Now, I have to explain what this means for people, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what that actually entails. Some people are interpreting Google's statement as Google's going to block the news. That's not quite why, 
what Google is going to do is they are going to take, they're going to remove themselves from the scope of C18. And they're going to do that by, how's this is, when you punch, go into google.com, if you punch in national post, the national post's not going to come up. When you go to google.com and you say latest news about stabbing in University of Waterloo, no news articles from Canada are going to come up. There will but be if news CNN articles. sends a reporter. CNN sends a reporter, CNN comes up. Fox <clears throat> News yep. sends a reporter, Fox News comes up. So this, right off the bat, gives these um, American outlets an extraordinary incentive to fill up the gap here and to potentially expand into the Canadian market and amalgamate it into, into, into their own operations because it's, it, it, it cuts us off, cuts Canadian media off. Um, so that's what they are now threatening to do. Uh, that is absolutely fucking catastrophic for Canadian media. And if they follow through on that threat, we'll turn Canadian media into a dead zone in a very serious way. It will dramatically uh, eliminate or reduce organic traffic to Canadian media websites, and it will cut us off in a really significant way from the, the discourse and the flow of information. I yeah. don't think that most media executives have come to terms with how bad that would be. I don't well, think that they have a sense of how absolutely apocalyptic that decision would be. Now, there are lots of people who are saying it's a bluff. Mm -hmm. It's just a bluff. No way Google would absolutely do that. This is a negotiating tactic. It's just a bluff. And there are lots of people in Canadian media, especially, who are very assured of their own importance. They're very sure that Google um, uh, makes a lot of money on Canadian news, that we matter to them. They're very assured that what is going to happen, happened, sorry, what they think happened in Australia will be replicated here and that Google's going to cave and just give them the money. And that assumption is going to get us all fucking killed. Because while I would agree that there is an element of a negotiation tactic happening, yeah. that doesn't mean they're bluffing. So... I think that everyone here is misread. I think I think everyone in the government and in the media side has is radically misreading the room here. And they're going to land themselves into some very significant trouble if some retrenchment doesn't take place very quickly. Now, my reading of the situation and my discussions on the situation would tell me that I don't think that all is lost. I don't think that's true. I do think that Google has more, Google has stated that it has more money that it is willing to bring into journalism and is willing to bring to this table. They believe that C18 has structural flaws that at this point can't be fixed because of course C18 is now past royal assent and yes. parliament's, parliament's done for the session. However, C18 is now going through the regulatory process. So the, how exactly the legislation is going to get translated into regulation is still being discussed and negotiated. It's going to be published in Canada Gazette. You know, it's going to go to a public process. There's still more procedural stuff to come in place before see it, the actual legislation is, is fully implemented. So there is some room for some negotiation here. And if the government caves, frankly, doesn't repeal C-18, but caves in the sense that it, it, it carves out an exemption path for Google to say, hey, 
you know, you're, we're not going to force Google to engage in these forced negotiations. We are going to take their, their, you know, side deals with publishers into account. And that also, if the government also is able to guarantee Google um, some kind of liability cap on their exposure here. So say, look, we're not going to force you, Google, to spend more than, say, $200 million on these journalism initiatives. If the, if the government were to come forward with something like that, I think Google would back down. And, you know, the media would get some money, not as much as it wants, but the media would get some money. Um, the government would be able to save face and claim that it, 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 went, it got a victory and Google wouldn't have to block news links. So that I think is the outcome that we're all hoping for. I'm real concerned. I'm real, real concerned that that's not going to happen. Few quick reactions for me on all of this, and we've just covered a lot of ground. First okay. of all, um, one of the things I want to flag on the post media tour star front is how I would see that unfold. First of all, mm -hmm. Competition Bureau would have the ability to block that. I don't know if they will. I doubt they, they will. will. They will. Um, but it's possible. What would happen if it occurs is that uh, the new corporation would immediately uh, close outlets uh, where possible and it would reduce staff. And I don't say this in any particular alarmist way. This is the explicit and express purpose of this kind of merger. Yes. That is the only reason you do that, to yeah. locate efficiencies and eliminate them, uh, yeah. eliminate the inefficiencies, which means people. And I don't think anyone's in denial about that. It, any idea that the star Toronto Star itself would be spun out, that would be the last remaining morsel to be consumed when the Metroland papers are uh, digested yeah. by post media. This is cannibalism. This is yeah. an industry cannibalizing itself, and we're we're running out of uh, villagers. So this is, this might keep what's left of post media alive, but even if it's successful it will result in fewer journalists and fewer outlets. And also so, I, would, I would point out that anyone who is naive enough to believe that that merger is not eventually coming for Torstar is naive. Is, is just grotesquely naive. And then yeah. after that, post media is, I mean, there'd be some of the smaller Atlantic Canadian uh, chains they could look at, maybe merger with some of the Quebec-based ones. But a certain... A certain point, the problem with cannibalism is you you run out of villagers, and then you're down to your your family, and then after that you're screwed. So, that's that's my cheerful thought on that. One of the things, uh, a very quick point on Google, you mentioned the existential nature of Google's threats. This is something that had never occurred to me until a buddy of mine, uh, an old uh, colleague at Post Media, pointed this out to me, which is that most major newspapers all over the world, not just in Canada long ago gave up like a thoroughly efficient indexing of their own content mm -hmm. and relied on the Google ecosystem to do that. So if you go to Toronto Star, you go to National Post, you go to probably even Globe and Mail, and you want to search an article, you put in the search bar, like, you know, like a Rosie DeMano um, homeless column, right? And then you get on the Toronto Star page, you get the results of that. But that's been provided by Google remove that and what you would have is even if you are a toronto star subscriber on the toronto star page if you're trying to look up within the existing archive content the star had published even fairly recently it will be impossible 
well, it's not impossible, but but essentially the algorithms and their own internal mechanisms are so shit, you are not going to be able to find what you're looking for. I don't even know but, if it's been indexed properly. Like, yeah, I don't, know I, I don't if think it, would it has be possible to find it. Yeah, every time that I've actually gone directly to a site to go look at for a specific article, I've never, never been able it. to find it. You put it in Google and you find it right away. Yeah. So you would not be, you would no longer be able to. And just think of the damage that would do to not just us, but to. Imagine how harder life will get for how many people when it becomes impossible to find that article about that thing I read about about a yeah. year ago. And I remember yeah. two or three keywords. You're never finding it again. So the, um, the, other, the other thing that is noticed is, that, uh, is the talk about Bing as an alternative. Yes, in the short term, you will be able to use Bing as an alternative to search for these um, uh, news articles. Yeah, as soon but, as people do that, C18 will get, go get that's Bing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. As yep. soon as soon as Bing actually gains critical mass, C eighteen, the, the regular is just going to turn to that way. Yeah. So you know you're you're always playing a chicken and egg phenomenon. The other alternative Google's is ninety three percent of Canadian search traffic. Yeah, the, get get over it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would say is uh, I asked Google about how this would affect an American searching for Canadian content from America. Wouldn't affect them at all. Oh, so if a, if an American no, no no if an American searches for a Canadian news article they will get access to a canadian news site yeah. through google search engine yeah. so it doesn't cut us the americans off from us it cuts us off from ourselves yeah. um the other interesting um question thing here is vpns uh between c11 between online news hacks between uh, what's happening with c18 i highly expect that vpns will become a much more common feature of life for many more ordinary canadians because a VPN that allows you to redirect your apparent location mm -hmm. to the United States would bring you up, would bring up uh, search internet. results. Yeah, would bring up search results that would be identical to an American. So you would still get access to all of Google's indexing of Canadian news sites again. So that these are two alternatives that I flag for your interest. But we are now setting up a scenario where we're asking the Canadian consumer to go through hoops and bells and whistles in order to access our site. And I think that people have underestimated the damage that even a short term Google blocking of news links would engender. I, I think that it would be catastrophic for a generation of young journalists. The I don't other... think that, I don't think that people quite understand this yet because their survival depends on them not understanding it. At the time you and I are recording this, uh, I have not yet had some conversations I intend on having with some people on the inside, but um, I think we, I, I am, I might be, I don't know if optimistic is the word, I might have a higher expectation than you do of uh, deals being struck. Um, but I, the movement, the movement would have to come from the government. Yes. And oh, no, and, and they could probably find a way to save face. No, I, I agree yeah. with that. I think yeah. if the status quo holds, I believe Google and Facebook will exit. Right. I just it's... think there is a fairly high chance the government blinks, uh, but wants to save face. The, the thing, though, that to me, the thing, you know, diplomatic relationships have been broken off. The troops are mobilizing. No one has been killed yet in the Canadian government versus big tech war. The first casualties will not actually be Facebook blocking all the news links. It won't be Google de-indexing us. It's going to be funding provided by Google or Facebook to local journalism initiatives, whether it's internship programs or things like that. 
that will be the first thing to die that and i don't know how long that's going to take i don't know that yet and i'm trying to figure that out so even three four months from now hypothetically we we have a deal that gets reached here there is a possibility i would even go so far as to say a probability that within that time period existing journalism support programs will fail yep so if if, if they're if they're due to be renewed during this period yes and that's what I don't know yet. I don't know yeah. when the calendar rolls over on some of yeah. these, and I'm trying to find that out. Yeah, like like so. If 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 for example, um, there's a local journalism initiative that Facebook or, or Google is doing. My underst- I don't think that they're paying that monthly. I think they're they're it's like a once a year kind of thing. So they'll just won't renew it that year, sort of thing. So I, I think that's the scenario. But you'll you'll get more detail about that. I think I'm working on that, but I don't have that yet. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing is when does the actual uh, how should I say this? When do the actual links get stopped? When does Google or sorry, when does Facebook stop letting links be shared? There isn't a firm date. No, because they're still tell. in the we're still in the posturing stage. Well, it's not posturing though. Essentially, they have to do it before the regulations actually come out and are published, so that they don't get encapsulated by the law itself. Hmm. So there is a hard deadline here. The hard deadline is is the 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 C18 has to be fully enforced within six months. The Senate put in regulations that said, no, we're not going to let you rag the puck on this. It's it's got to come into force by within six months. So it will be within six months. But essentially, all of these organizations have to make the changes that they're going to make before before Canada Gazette publishes their regulations. Lest they, yeah, lest they get they get caught up in the the C eighteen definitional dragnet. So it it will be sometime with later than a week and before six months. But nobody seems to be able to give me a clear answer on when the the lights go off and how much longer there is to negotiate a, a back down. Which itself creates a de, um, a destabilizing impetus on yep. both sides to rush. Hundred percent. I think the bigger taking a step back from all this, I still think there's a possibility that an accord of some kind is reached that allows everybody to declare a victory. Mm-hmm. You you'd mentioned something to me earlier, and I think I think it's a point worth making, and perhaps a point worth ending on, um, because I, I I have some time pressure today. It would have been really easy to have a deal. Oh, yeah. Like it was possible here. And like one of the simplest things that yeah. could have happened here is if the government and this, a point I've made this point repeatedly in recent weeks is that the government is trying to do two things at once here. Support Canadian journalism. And fuck you, big tech. Yep. And that if they had separated those two things, all they had to do was to go, well, you know what? The legacy media companies are struggling. We're going to sit down with them. We're going to find out some kind of subsidy regime of direct cash subsidies from the taxpayer pot. Which you and I would have still screamed bloody murder about. We would have opposed it. I would still oppose it. But it would have been logical. Yeah, It would have been... We would have understood it. Yeah, it would have been the easy and straightforward way to do a thing I didn't agree with doing. Yeah. But it, like, but you can kind of look at it and go, well, I don't think th- they should be doing this, but if they are to do it, that is the efficient way to do it. Instead, we got C-18, yeah. which is a convoluted and stupid way of doing it. Because if, if all you were doing was to go, we're going to give X number of dollars to legacy media every year directly out of general revenues, 
you then turn around on the other side and you go, all right, we're now X number of dollars short. Let's figure out a tax we can hit these guys with that will make up the difference. Instead, they wanted to do it with C18, which was the stupidest possible way of because going they about didn't, because they didn't things. want to be accused of interfering with subsidies they wanted to be able to force companies to give money to other companies while claiming to be hands-off about it a mark this is why they, they trump with this as a market-based solution as if that doesn't if that makes any sense it makes no sense it's not a market-based solution if you need to legislate it you motherfuckers <laughs> you dumb fucks like I, I, yes that's correct you and I would have disagreed with subsidies, but I mean, there's there's a rational way to tax Google, or or, or Facebook work with or Google Netflix or right? Facebook. And yeah. I think the, the the hilarious thing and the terrible irony of all of this is that just my conversations with some of these organizations, if they had done it that way, if they had just taxed them directly, or demanded that or, or demanded that some money be put into a journalism program, lest we legislate you, they would have gotten a deal. There would have there is money there, like that. These organizations are willing to shell out some cash and to recognize that there's, you know, to treat it as a as a loss leader, so to speak. But you can't create a legislative program that essentially forces these companies into handing over a blank check, because no company would tolerate that. Our company wouldn't tolerate that. No, that no company would tolerate living or working in a jurisdiction that says. Literally, we're going to force you to hand over some amount of money. We're not going to tell you how much to some amount of some number of people, but you know, we can't tell you how many. And then this is going to be a recurring check over and over every year. And it, while this if this works, every other market you're in is going are going is going to replicate it. Because essentially you've just handed a blank check over to every media market you replicate in. And if you think that that doesn't represent an existential risk to the profitability or the the model of your business, you don't understand what's happening here. So Google and Facebook have every incentive to make an example of Canada in order to preserve their broader profits in the Western speaking world. Yeah, and they're not anti-Canada. We're just up next. No, we're just up. Well, it's not like that, but we... we we also don't understand our own insignificance to their overall margins. News it's is like really, 1% of their yeah, it's, traffic it's in their just, 30th largest market. We have actually have no, no leverage here. Uh, so it's really easy for these companies. Like they'll get, they'll get blowback from a, from an optics point of view, they'll get blowback from, a, um, you know, they'll get some finger wagging for it for sure. But from a money point of view, from just a sheer math point of view, it's really easy to turn no off cares. the taps on us. Yeah, what I find fascinating about this, again, like there were so many easier, simpler, faster ways yeah. to do this. All of the time we've spent dicking around with this instead of just coming up with a direct subsidy program three years ago. And again, confessing, I would have opposed it, but they could have yes. done it fast. They could have done it easy. They could have done it simple. Think of how many jobs in journalism have been lost over the last three years. Yeah. They didn't have to be. But, like, uh, you know, uh, like we, that could have been stopped if the goal was actually saving Canadian journalism. Every time you have a conversation with someone about this, the one thing I'm going to flag, and Jen, you know this, but I'm flagging this for others. Ask them to defend C-18 on the merits and forbid them from just telling you that big tech is bad. Yeah. Or that something had to be done. Yeah. 
defend the bill on its merits because I think big tech is bad. I think it is bad. And I understand I think why all I think... tech is bad. I'll I'll take you one further. I think we should burn it all to the ground. Fuck it the ha- internet. It has an, an allure, I will admit. Um I will grant that big tech is bad. And I will concede I can understand why the government thought it had to do something, even if I don't agree with it. But I'm asking you to defend C-18 on its merits. And no one except Pablo Rodriguez wants to have that conversation. And the more you bring this up, the more you, me, directly have been accused of being in in the bank yeah, for... It, it, it's, it, it's fully ad hominem. It's just, I am begging you to defend this proposal on its merits. No yeah, one wants uh, to do that. It, it, and that tells and you it, it all that. gets reduced to um, you're in you're in ta- you're in tank for for big tech. Don't you see how much money they have? That's I also, it. And I I also just... love all the people who are accusing me of supporting big evil corporations because I don't want post media bailed out. <laughs> <laughs> like like it's just like it's the world turned upside down here. Um, <sighs> Where all these lefties on Twitter are angry at me for not liking that the government wants to force a company to bail out post media. Yeah, and then what? this is where we get to the fundamental problem with the subsidy and the government support. The philosophical problem that underpins all of this, aside from C18, is that even if you did this in a way that wasn't convoluted and damaging and going to kill us, which is this still a bad idea. It's still a bad idea because essentially all you're doing is you're propping up zombie corporations. That, that are already effectively dead. I mean, this is the thing that I pe- think people don't really get. These co- the, the fact that Post Media and its attendant papers is, are not bankrupt already is a bit of a technicality. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're dead. They're, they're gone. There's no bringing them back. At this point, the only tricks they have left are, I, can't, I don't want to get into too trouble, but like, I don't want to get I almost into made a really unflattering I almost, comparison. I, am, I, 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 I am concerned about defamation. So let's be real careful here. I don't think there's, I don't think these companies, there, there's enough left in these companies to justify salvaging them at this point. Maybe there was five, six years ago. I don't think there is now. And I don't think that there is any path toward making these organizations sustainable even in the short term. We talked about this in our dispatch last week. If you And this is something I used to actually talk about with some of my colleagues at the National Post. This was insidery chats we used to have, is when you looked at the number of people we still had working with us and our operating budgets, if you had that many people and that much money as a startup, you would be a thriving success story. But because you're encumbranced with a legacy corporation, with not only legacy debts and structures, but I also say legacy cultural baggage. Yeah. You're doomed. A startup with a $2 million budget and 15 staff could be an incredible, effective, powerful vehicle for journalism. A paper that's been reduced to that is non-functional. It is not fit for purpose. So it's something is going to have to change. Something is going to have to change very radically. And I also am going to get in trouble for saying this, but I don't think the collapse of post media and tour star is the end of the world. I think we would go through a difficult interregnum. I think some other organizations would have to step up. I do think there's a role for the government in managing and helping to deal with this medium term issue time span we're in. 
Um, and I've talked at length about ways I think the government could do that in a functional and productive way. But I think that the death of post media is an inevitability. The problem is that nobody wants to be responsible for it. No one wants it to happen on their watch, and that's a political problem. Um, yeah. So what's going to continue happening is that the cannibalism will continue. Yeah. And, and the cannibalism... And, and the longer that continues, the longer it's going to take to replace it into something that's actually thriving and innovative and sustainable. And in the process, we're going to, by fucking around and finding out, we're going to do, potentially do serious damage to what's left of our journalistic culture. Like if, if Google actually does turn off the links for even six months, I think that that could lead, leave a scar on the journalistic culture here that would take a generation to recover. I, I just don't think that people can wrap their head around how bad that would be if significant sections of the Canadian populace were to, for example, become habituated to going to American outlets for Canadian news. I don't think you recover from that. Spain's I just lost Google News for eight years. I think one year would collapse Canadian media as we know it. Yes, that's correct. Because essentially, imagine all of these companies losing 70% of their organic traffic. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. It goes away like that. Yep. You know, you, you, there's no digital. You can't survive that. Your digital ads collapse. You're isolated. You're. I, I just don't know how to express how catastrophic that would be Plus, in a way that I would, feel. The job itself would become harder. Uh, yes, the job itself would become harder. And the problem is that I just think that the people running these organizations are so detached from the digital realities in which they're operating in. And they're so, they can't see it because their survival requires them not to see it. And in the process, it's not just going to be them who gets killed. It's going to be everyone else. Because if Google turns out the lights on Postmedia and Torstar, the line, it turns out the, on the lights on us too. Um, it, it turns out the lights on any potential startups that could, that could take up the mantle. Because the problem that I think people haven't appreciated is that if you get rid of organic, organic traffic movement and organic audience traffic, um, what happens is that the only people who can survive in that environment are people who have a committed, just give me a second, are people who have a committed audience who are habitually going directly to the directly website. To the yep. So I, I have the National Post on my bookmarks bar and I check there, check there every morning kind of thing. That's the only people, that's your only traffic. That's That's all you're getting. That and from newsletters and direct outreach. If you don't already have that established base, you can't start up in that environment, not unless you're willing to make significant investments in digital marketing to let people know that you're literally there, right? We so would survive that, but we would stop growing. We would survive that, but we would stop growing. Yeah. Um, essentially, all of our growth would happen to word of mouth, and we would yep. be highly dependent on aggregators like National Newswatch to get, yep. get the word out. National Newswatch would become much, much more influential. If it didn't fall under the auspices of C18, like don't worry, I, I think that, for example, if, if Google turns out the lights, we would have a period of adaptation. And I think the line would actually be weirdly uniquely situated to potentially take advantage of some opportunities because of the way that we are. We're probably big enough that we would have not first yeah. mover advantage, but something close to it. We've got something like a first mover advantage, but good luck trying to start your own sub stack yep. and get your, like, get the word out and build an audience in that kind of environment. It's done. It's too late. You know, speaking and, of uh, anyway, 
Speaking of too late, I got to go get my you gotta uh, go. children. Um, this has been very cheerful. Yes. We will, uh, folks, just a reminder again, we'll put out our written dispatch as soon as we can get it done. We will be off for the next week and we'll see if anyone uh, blinks in the meantime. But on the only cheerful note of this podcast, happy Canada Day. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to be off for the next week. Have a very happy Canada Day. This has been the latest episode of the Lions Experimental Podcast. And please share it with literally everybody you know, because we're kind of down to you and your word of mouth.